Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of correspondents from around the world. I'm Wang Zhihan. Coming up in this edition, the number of people killed in raging wildfires on Hawaii's Big Island and Maui has risen to 53. Typhoon Kanun has forced evacuations and caused flooding and power outages as it swept through South Korea. And the West African Regional Bloc has ordered the activation of its standby force to restore constitutional order in Niger. Studying in North America, the number of people killed in raging wildfires on Hawaii's Big Island and Maui has risen to 53. Authorities in Hawaii are warning that the number of the people killed may rise even further. Governor of Hawaii Josh Green says the Maui wildfires are the largest natural disaster in the state's history. Li Jianhua has more. Oh my gosh! Look at the harbor. Oh my god! This is what's left of the resort city of Lahaina after wildfires fanned by winds of a distant hurricane engulfed Hawaii's Maui Island. Multiple neighborhoods were reportedly burnt to the ground. Thousands of people, locals or tourists, were forced to evacuate as a state of emergency was declared. Woke up this morning and got on our phones to pictures of our house,、uh, just down to the slab, nothing but smoke. Was hoping for a place to stay here, but everything sold out. Got lucky; we had family that was visiting too, and and it crashed the night. Maybe sleep in the car and catch our flight in the morning back home because it looks like there is no flights. The National Weather Service says dry vegetation, strong winds from Hurricane Dora, and low humidity were to blame for the bushfires. Hawaii's acting governor said state officials didn't anticipate the hurricane could whip up wildfires on such a scale. We never anticipated、uh, in this state that a hurricane, which Did not make impact on our islands will cause this type of wildfires. Wildfires that wiped out communities, wildfires that wiped out businesses, wildfires that destroyed homes. The western side of the island of Maui has been nearly cut off, with only one highway open for emergency workers and those leaving the area. Earlier, U.S. President Joe Biden declared the state of Hawaii a disaster area. Claire Roche has more on the thousands of people evacuating from Hawaii. There are thousands of people here in scenes of confusion, stress,、uh, and sadness.、Uh, we've seen at least five、uh, evacuation shuttles arrive here. They're bringing people from the western side of the island, from that part of the island where dev- those devastating wildfires have, you know, raised. Whole communities, including the、uh, historic town of Lahaina. So we are seeing those evacuation bus shuttles bringing people, and we're also seeing people who've been able to make it here on their own,、uh, who are, had a rental car or were able to get here some other way.、Um, and just a lot of people arriving at the same time.、Uh, you know, at every airline、uh, check-in counter, there's just you know queues that are snaking along, long, long lines, long security lines.、Um, Some people were able to、uh, book last-minute flights,、uh, scrambling. Were able to figure it out. 
there's 15,000 bookings today, and they have brought in six empty planes from Honolulu in order to take the extra amount of people that are here in Maui to Honolulu. So two of those empty planes arrived this morning. Uh, two of those flights will be going back to Honolulu uh, this afternoon and two more uh, tonight. That was Claire Roche reporting from Hawaii. Moving on to Asia, China is on high alert for tropical storm Kanun, which is expected to make landfall on Friday in the northeastern province of Liaoning. The storm triggered the evacuation of more than 40,000 people after having pounded Japan. Jiang Siran reports from Dandong. Now the local weather officials tell me that Typhoon Kanun continues to move north over the Korean peninsula as a tropical storm and is likely to move into China's Liaoning province and weakening to a tropical depression. There is also a possibility that it may dissipate along the China DPRK border. Now over the next few days, Dandong is likely to experience moderate rain as well as gradually weakening winds. And as part of the emergency measures, now over 2,000 fishing boats have been recalled to harbor for shelter. And now offshore fishing operations and passenger transport have been suspended. Also, the tourist sites alongside rivers and sightseeing boats have been temporarily closed to ensure public safety. In Heilongjiang province, where we just left, efforts are being made to quickly drain water from the rice fields. And if soaked in flood water for too long, the rice plants are also prone to pest and disease infestations. Therefore, experts believe the timely application of fertilizer and pesticides is also one of the ways to ensure the rice yields later on. That was Jiang Siran reporting from Dandong in Liaoning province. Still in Asia, Typhoon Kanun has dumped heavy rains, causing flood and power outages as it swept through South Korea. The country's meteorological agency says the storm passed near Seoul on Thursday night before moving north. The system tracked north towards North Korea, but it reportedly dissipated above the demilitarized zone. Jack Barton has more. A lot of damage along the way after it hit here in Koje around 9.20 a.m. yesterday morning. It moved very slowly uh, up vertically through the peninsula, uh, much slower than anticipated, uh, dissipating somewhat over Pyongyang around 6 a.m. this morning. It became the first ever typhoon since records were kept to, to track vertically up through the country. And uh, perhaps that's why it slowed down, easing the winds a little bit, but dumping a lot more rain on the country that was uh, initially expected because of this. And so we saw extensive flooding, at least 361 public and private facilities uh, inundated with flood waters, so a lot of material damage. But yesterday we heard there was one fatality and one person missing who fell in the flood waters. Today the agency which oversees disasters tells us they were unrelated and actually there were no uh, fatalities and no one is missing. So a little bit of a mystery there. Thousands of people evacuated. The last number we had was around 16,000 preemptively evacuated. Around 10,000 of those people are back in their homes. Uh, more than 40,000 households had their power cut by the storm. That power has since been restored, but still some of the shipping routes are still closed down. Uh, they're back in operation here, but up on the east of the country. And uh, also in this area here, which really you know, uh, took that initial impact, 680 roads remain closed. But the air traffic is back open, most of the sea routes and officials out today 
fully assessing that damage, trying to get those roads drained, uh, get everything back to normal again, but that will probably take a few days, and in terms of that structural damage, uh, probably weeks or months. That was Jack Barton reporting. In Africa, the economic community of West African nations has activated its standby force for possible intervention in Niger. The bloc has called for a peaceful restoration of democracy and the reinstatement of the ousted President Mohamed Bazoum. The statements were made during an emergency ECOWAS summit in Nigeria on Thursday. Clergy Emma Cullum has more from Abuja. The West African regional bloc ECOWAS delivered a resounding message during an emergency summit held in Nigeria's capital, Abuja. As tensions rise in the wake of the July 26th coup in Niger, the leaders have vowed to take decisive actions to restore democracy and constitutional stability in the nation. The summit, attended by leaders from across the region, saw Nigeria's president, Bola Tinubu, also the ECOWAS chair, asserting that all options remain on the table, including the possibility to use force as a last resort. This declaration comes after the coup leaders defied ECOWAS' previous threat to use force to reinstate democratic leadership. During the summit, President Tinubu emphasized the unity of purpose among member states. He reiterated ECOWAS' unwavering commitment to support Niger on its journey to peaceful democratic stability. The regional bloc made it clear that it would not stand by idly while those responsible for the coup thwarted the return to power of democratically elected president Mohamed Bazoum. The situation in Niger has sparked widespread concerns, prompting both citizens and neighboring nations to demand a swift resolution. The activation of the standby force highlights the readiness of the region to intervene if necessary. ECOWAS leaders emphasized its intention to impose sanctions and travel bans on those obstructing the return to power of President Bazoum. Meanwhile, military leaders in Niger told a U.S. official this week that they would kill ousted President Mohamed Bazoum should ECOWAS make good its threat on a military action. While tensions run high, the region remains hopeful for a peaceful resolution. As President Tinubu aptly put it, all is not lost yet. The days ahead would reveal the effectiveness of the regional effort to ensure Niger's return to a democratic path. In Europe, Ukraine has ordered mandatory evacuation in and around the eastern city of Kupiansk. The decision came after the Russian military announced its capture of nearby Ukrainian positions. Ukraine says one person was killed and 16 others were injured when Russian airstrikes hit a hotel in Zaporizhia. Russian officials say two people were killed by Ukrainian shelling in a Russian region near the border with Ukraine. Dasha Chernyshirova reports from Moscow. The Russian Defense Ministry says the Russian army has improved its position on the front line around Kupiansk. Moscow also claims to have downed over a dozen Ukrainian drones seeking to attack the Russian cities on Thursday. According to the Defense Ministry, air defenses thwarted terrorist attacks, destroying two drones flying in the direction of the capital Moscow and bringing down 11 others near the city of Sevastopol. No casualties or destruction has been reported 
but air traffic was disrupted at two international airports, Vnukova and Domodedovo. And in Russia's Bryansk region that borders Ukraine, at least two people have been killed as a result of the Ukrainian shelling. Meanwhile, Russia's agriculture minister Dmitry Patrushev said Moscow will deliver grain to six African countries free of charge in the near future. Patrushev said Russia exported 60 million tons of grain last year and expected to export about 55 million tons this year. Those Dasha Chenishova reporting. In South America, Akutu is in a state of an emergency three days of national mourning after the assassination of a presidential candidate. 59-year-old Fernando Villavicencio was one of the eight candidates vying for the presidency. The politician, who was outspoken against corruption and drug cartels, was shot three times at close range as he left a campaign rally in Quito. Police say one dead suspect and six others arrested in connection with the murder are all Colombian nationals. Nicolas Suarez has more. Hours after the assassination of presidential candidate Fernando Villavicencio, the country is still in shock. According to witnesses, the 59-year-old candidate was attacked by gunmen when he was getting into a car after exiting a campaign rally in the northern part of the capital city. Multiple shots were heard at the scene, reportedly killing Villavicencio even before he could be transported to a nearby hospital. Villavicencio was not a front-runner candidate, but throughout his career as a union leader, journalist and lawmaker, he was outspoken on the need to address crime and corruption, often accusing politicians of being entangled with organized crime and drug trafficking cartels. He said he'd recently received death threats from a top Ecuadorian crime boss known as Fito, currently serving jail time. In response to the killing, outgoing Ecuadorian president Guillermo Lasso vowed the crime will not go unpunished and declared a nationwide 60-day state of emergency. The armed forces as of this moment are mobilized throughout the national territory to guarantee the security of citizens, the tranquility of the country, and the free and democratic elections of August 20th. At least nine other people were injured in the attack, including a former congresswoman and two police officers. According to the authorities, one of the suspects died in an exchange of fire with security personnel. Also, government officials reported that six people have been detained in the raids ordered across Quito after the killing. This political crime comes just two weeks after the assassination of Agustin Intriago, mayor of the port city of Manta, who was, according to Villavicencio's team, a supporter of his candidacy. That was Nicolas Suarez in Quito, Ecuador. Before we go, here's a recap today's top stories. The number of people killed in raging fires on Hawaii's Big Island and Maui has risen to 53. Typhoon Kanun has forced evacuations and caused flooding and power outages as swept through South Korea. And the West African Regional Bloc has ordered the activation of its standby force to restore constitutional order in Niger. That concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. And Wang Zihang, thank you for listening.